gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. Thank you for downloading. This is episode number 247, and you heard the music. This is another Star Wars episode. One day I'll go back through the 247 other episodes and wonder how many Star Wars episodes we have done. I would say at least 90% of the episodes that we have done on Star Wars, whether it was Force Awakens, which was that was the movie that came out when we started this podcast. But ever since then, all the uh, all the movies, you know, Solo and Rogue One and all the shows now with the Disney Plus and everything. I think our guest today, uh, he's not a guest. He's the official Star Wars insider for the Hall of Justice podcast. Uh, he is, of course, the owner of a great bar. That's not a Star Wars bar in downtown Hollywood called the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Uh, if you go to my social media, when you see this podcast, we put up his logo and his links to his place. And he's a Twitch superstar now. He produces stuff with Kevin Smith. Uh, he's just the man, but he's been a friend for a really long time. So we're pleased to welcome back my man, JC Reifenberg. JC, welcome back. How have you been? Hey, good to be back. Things have been good. It's busy. It's very, very busy all the time. Yes, <laughs> I feel like we're always working. Well, I appreciate you making time because just last week, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, the week that it's released, um, Star Wars, The Bad Batch uh, just had its season finale. And that's what we do on this podcast with shows is we wait till they end and then we do the reviews. And this is a spoiler review. Uh, this is on The Bad Batch, which is a new animated show that came out on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we can do this a number of different ways, but I just want to start off the salvo by saying I had very little expectations of this. Uh, we were coming off the high of The Mandalorian. Luke Skywalker had just shown up. We were all giddy. Um, I thought The Clone Wars ended really nicely, even though I thought that season didn't need to be done. I was very impressed with the way they wrapped up and the weak link of that final season of Clone Wars was the introduction of that Clone Force 99 that I just didn't have a passion for. So I went in with very low expectations, but man, was that an enjoyable watch? Man, did that hold my attention greatly? And I was really, really impressed. The floor is yours. Um, I, I really, really like Bad Batch. I think, let's say... We'll start with this. Technically, the visuals, the sound, the the way the lighting was, That's all gorgeous. of that stuff was incredible. And, um, you know, even in the last scene in the show, it looked like they added film grain to the last yeah. the last three minutes of, of the finale episode here, um, which I thought was super cool and super interesting. 
it almost felt like, and I don't know, even know if this is a criticism, but it almost felt like two shows. It felt like the first four episodes were like a show that combined with the last four episodes. And then the middle four episodes, they were like, let's do Star Wars meets the A-Team. <laughs> and like, so while I enjoyed both of them, you know, it was almost like it felt a little uh, tonally very different in the middle. Well, let's put some context to that because um, I don't want to make assumptions that everyone has seen everything in Star Wars land. You know, I, I just the, the what you're talking about by the first four episodes is it kind of happens concurrently, but right after episode three revenge of the sith which is how the clone wars series ended um and basically in the first episode palpatine uh the emperor uh executes order 66 where all the clones then turn on the jedi and that's a scene that was dramatic but it was kind of underplayed in episode three well wow they make up for that in spades um you don't realize this early, but are you of the belief that the young boy that they rescue is Kanan from the show Star Wars Rebels? Is that oh, true? It's, yeah, it's a hundred percent Kanan. Yeah, e even voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. as well. So okay, so so that is the first grab you moment though, because mm -hmm. at that point you're like, wait a minute, that guy becomes Kanan. I I know that show. I saw Rebels, and if you didn't you're on an app that has everything you need to know about star Wars rebels. Like I wonder how many people saw the bad batch because they were coming off the high of the Mandalorian. And then they're like, wait a minute, there's another show. That's not clone wars. There's this other show and it takes place in around the same time. You know, there's, there's so much there. I'll say, um, you know, my, you and I speak is, 40 something guys um, that's why this podcast is called the hall of justice like if you're old enough to know what the hall of justice is you're a <laughs> so we the, hope the uh, people listening are in their 40s the um my my cousin is uh a 10 year old little boy lives in suburban chicago and he got into star wars through the clone wars on netflix when they put it on netflix mm -hmm. and he uh, more recently, he's gotten into the movies and stuff, but he did not care about the movies. He didn't care about any of that stuff. Seven, eight, nine, doesn't matter. I want more Clone Wars. And so there's this, I I talked to his dad, my my uncle, oh, last week, and I was like, hey, what, is, um, what does your son think of Bad Batch? And he's like, oh, he's insane for it. He's insane for it. Um, and... And so there is like this whole generation of Star Wars fans where like Bad Batch is their Force Awakens or is their Episode One or is their or their Mandalorian Mandalorian. And there's a lot of parallels to the Mandalorian. The one thing that you have to recognize, you know, we talked about this the last time we had you on is is just the the prequels have a place in history and that generation is being heard from. And mm -hmm. the prequels constantly are getting revalidated um, in a way that, you know, you just kind of wonder about the sequel trilogy. Will that happen eventually? But, you know, we've, we've 
we've spent so much time talking ab about it. Um, so what's interesting, and we're going to, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but what Dave Filoni has done so brilliantly, like you just mentioned, is, is contextualize everything we saw in the prequels and, and kind of connect dots that never were really connected. And I think Bad Batch, like, I think he's between that and Mandalorian. I think he's explaining Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I think that's what we're seeing. I think Bad Batch is a prequel to, I mean, it's a sequel to Revenge of the Sith, but I think what we're going to learn is that the season one and season two are actually a prequel to The Mandalorian, which will end up being a prequel to making some sort of sense out of what happened in episode nine. Well, the ex explanation is, is that, you know, all the, the warnings about uh, Grogu, we touched on this during our Mandalorian review. The, the 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 warnings are he's too old, he's too emotional, he's too connected to the Mandalorian. You know, there were all these reasons not to tra train him because he was uh, tarnished. He wasn't pure of, of some sense. And that's Luke's great mistake. Luke's so great mistake is he takes anybody with any kind of abilities and he tries to make chicken salad out of chicken shit that's so, essentially what he does I'll, I'll offer an alternative viewpoint on that is wait what, what is it called on this it's a differing point of view a, a, yeah a, a certain point of view certain point of view <laughs> so if you look at episodes one through six and you look at the jedi the failure of the jedi you know no attachment no this no that can't do this can't do that right that created Darth Vader. All of those rules is right. what created Darth Vader. Luke broke all of those rules in episode five and six. No, no, no. I love my dad. He is my dad. He will not kill me. And when push comes to shove, love is what's going to save the galaxy. And so I think what you see with Ahsoka, when she calls out Grogu, ah, you can't train him. He's too old. He's too it this and that you're looking at the old ways and when luke comes to take him what luke knows is that that love and attachment and all of those things are what saved the galaxy and that's why luke behaves that way luke never was indoctrinated in the ways of, right. and then maybe of it the gives school. justification for you mm -hmm. know kylo ren if you if you want to go there but somebody's mad at me now because we brought up kylo ren on a bad batch podcast and that just went <laughs> it's all dark. connected though but we just went dark um I, before we get into each individual story the parallel that i saw from the mandalorian tell me since you brought up dave filoni is that there's a huge chunk of the middle of the 16 episodes uh where they're basically working for carla from cheers and they're in essence, just going on a mission of the week. And mm -hmm. that was a formula that was the middle of both seasons of The Mandalorian. Like The Mandalorian is searching for some place to go for, for Baby Yoda, and he goes to this place, and then he goes to this place, and then he goes to this place. And each one of those places has some value, but in reality, you know, you can extrapolate it from the story, and it's just, it's it almost feels like, the old TV model of episode filler. Like, you mm -hmm. know, that's what Smallville did because they they wanted to tell a 10 episode story in 22 episodes, you know, so, so you had that. Do you think that's what Dave Filoni takes from his experiences 
on the Mandalorian because the Clone Wars never felt like that, but it was so obvious. And again, this comes off as a criticism. Maybe it's a critique, but it comes off so obvious in the Mandalorian and then is mimicked in the Bad Batch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of Bad Batch, I mean, even just the the formula for it and they had a the, kid yeah the the parent child dynamic i think is very very similar to it um but if it works it works and it's a uh, you know it's a cool way to see some other parts of the galaxy without having every single thing you're doing in the show you know be the end of the world right. you know that's the big criticism with marvel movies is it's like every movie the world's gonna end like oh my gosh that's why i loved ant-man it was like well you know here's a little thing um <laughs> so i think you know i think it's a way to explore some stuff and add some texture to the galaxy some stuff you wouldn't necessarily get to see uh and, and not tie it to some big epic thing right um, not everything is earth shadow right or you know galaxy altering um but i thought you know i did think it felt a little weird like we watched like the beginning four episodes were so dark you got saw guerrera from clone wars and rogue one and then you watch crosshair like uh i think it was crosshair if it wasn't crosshair it was you watched stormtrooper clone trooper just shoot a bunch of innocent people at point yeah. blank range yeah you know like, like but the oh introduction God. of the stormtroopers like the we're not going to use the clones anymore we're going to mm -hmm. just find people who are who are righteous and in the club and holy moly and, and and that was like that sounded like your boss kevin smith having you know dante and randall talking about these guys being union mm -hmm. yeah it was uh it was That's a 25 year old conversation that they they paid off yeah and everybody i mean on the internet you, you, how many times did you see the like you know what well, why are the are, are all the stormtroopers clones and then people are like well they have growth acceleration so this and this and like we've been coming up with our own theories and they they just gave it to us in 16 episodes this is how it happens which is cool it's no other really, right nobody else re that's what's so great about Dave is he's he's the fan. He had those conversations before he started working there. So it, when it's like, hey, what are we going to let's make a new show. Let's make it about this thing. You know, um, it's a way to tell more stories. You know, this is something that you and I talked about real, real early. And that is how the timeline of the nine episodes has major gaps. There's a mm -hmm. massive gap between episodes three and four. There's a massive gap between six and seven. Most of that was when Disney bought Lucasfilm. They decided that if they're going to make a movie, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher have to be in it. And they were 30 years older. So advanced the story 30 years. And thus you created this treasure trove of stuff, just stuff. And mm -hmm. it's really the same thing as episode three and episode four. There's just this treasure trove. And when it was Lucasfilm before Disney, Cartoon Network, they wanted to do Clone Wars. They wanted to do it so bad they did two separate animated series. And they had to be about the prequel trilogy. And you and I, 20 years ago, said, 
what the hell? Like, why are you doing so much Clone Wars? I know how that ends. Like, I, I never understood. Now what they're saying is you can introduce other characters that never existed before and tie them all in so that you have a great passion for their fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many kids out there? I, he, crazy story. I'm flying Keep going back. to the kids. I, it's interesting that you're. Yeah. I'm flying back from Denver this morning. I'm sitting there with my daughter in row six on Southwest. Guess who walks by me? D. Bradley Baker. <laughs> wow. And I look up and I go, oh, my God, you're D. Bradley Baker, who yeah, clearly yeah. with a mask on doesn't expect to be recognized on a well, 6 a.m. flight. But he has to understand who you are. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, I'm friends with all your friends and uh, and uh, you're just God, Bad Batch is so good. Well, you're and pretty like, friendly with Matt Lanter, who mm -hmm. is Anakin in the Clone Wars TV show. Yeah, I know Matt and James Arnold Taylor, uh, who plays Obi-Wan, and um, Catherine Tabor, who plays Padme very well. And uh, and there has been maybe a hundred voice actors on this podcast. There's never been an asshole. Oh, like, yeah. Voice never. actors are the nicest human beings in the world. Mm -hmm. And Dee Bradley Baker, we, we should just isolate him for a second. First of all, the, the idea of one guy playing all the clones is funny because you're doing shows where there's hundreds of these guys and you're not paying him extra because <laughs> right. he's voicing the same guy. But in the Bad Batch, each one has a distinctly different voice. And it is remarkable how discernible those voices are. The wrecker mm -hmm. voice, the crosshair voice, the tech voice, the hunter voice. They're all different. And then five or six episodes in, you brought in Rex. Yeah. He has to be yeah. that guy, too. Yeah. And That's Echo. Fantastic. Like, it's, fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it has to be an award for that. He, he said to me, he's like, man, I'm really proud of that show. And I was like, yeah, you should be. He goes, <laughs> yeah. Then he looked at me and he goes, you should be proud of that little one. <laughs> and kept going to his seat. Nice. Pointing at my baby. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, but it felt like fate. I'm doing, you know, we're, we're doing, I'm, I'm talking a lot of Bad Batch this week. And I thought it was nice to kick off the week with a little That's conversation. That's so random. Now, with granted, there's at, the chances of actors going on flights to Southern California is not the craziest thing you've ever seen, but it's so random that you happen to be in the same spot. That's really random on the same day yeah. that we're recording this. That's yeah. Yeah. Play the lottery. So, uh, I, I mean, it's. Uh, I, do we want to skip to the very end and talk about the big? We don't have to do episode by episode. There's 16 of these. I don't think There's that's interesting. That's compelling. I think the storylines are the, the more compelling parts. So you know, I don't know if you, you've seen this. I picked it out right away because I'm a big expanded universe fan. I've read I read all the books from 1991 until. Well, you were doing that before the pre 2008. Yeah. yeah, you were you were you were big. And, and when I uh, met you, when I met you, it was like 2002 or three. And the prequels were in like Attack of the Clones had come out. But yeah. you were the biggest fan I had ever known. And, you know, I come from this world where you weren't supposed to talk about these things like you never talked about it on the radio. 
you know, superheroes and Star Wars and such. And the, the story, for those of you who haven't heard a previous JC episode, is you and I on the A train going to Yankee Stadium to produce a Yankees thing or cover a Yankees game. And all we talked about was Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I know you. Like, that's and it wasn't like it wasn't fleeting. Like, it wasn't, oh, this one time we had a Star Wars conversation. Like, we had dozens of Star Wars. Conversations. Yeah. X-Men animated series and Batman, the animated series also. Well, we did, yes, but All but the... you were the Star Wars guy. Oh yeah, of course. Like, like, I remember I thing. took off like... work to go to Star Wars Celebration three. That that May in May of two thousand five, um, and I saw Revenge of the Sith early, and uh, and and had to take that. off work to go do I, that. I remember that. Um, but uh, so the big thing was at at the end here that mountain that you see at the end is straight out of timothy zahn's heir to the empire dark force rising and the last command the first three star wars novels that came out in the early 90s wow and if you watched it it immediately struck you and that was where the emperor kept all of his sith artifacts and his his secret cloning facility on a planet named Wayland, Mount Tantus. Now, they they don't say it in the show, but StarWars.com did an interview with one of the producers, and they released a behind-the-scenes art of that mountain, and... They label it? And they labeled it... Oh, God. Wayland, W. E-Y-L-A-N-D. In Timothy Zahn's book, it was W-A-Y. Mount Tantus. So they were basically dropping that little Easter egg nugget saying, like famously a long time ago when they brought Thrawn back, Dave Filoni said, there's always a little bit of truth in legends. And that was right after Disney had rebranded Expanded Universe to Star Wars Legends. And here he is again, this mega Star Wars fan who's been given the the keys to the castle, dropping that in there for somebody like me, right? where it's like, hey, hey, man, remember when you were in fourth grade and you first read about clones? Here it is. It's like you're, you're it's like the ultimate payoff. And what percentage of people watching the Bad, Bad, Bad Batch on Disney Plus read that book? What percentage of people? What What do you think? Four? <laughs> yeah, probably. Four percent. Yeah, because they're like, all kids. You, but you did that for four percent. And nobody's a kid now, though. See, that's the thing about Bad Batch is the target demo for Star Wars, I still think, is older. Because it's still Star Wars. And what I, you know, you mentioned the, the young people who love this stuff. But that payoff is only for older people. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. No, you've got to be 35 or older to 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 understand and care about that. And we, we talk about this. I, just let me make this one point. We talk about this when movies are garbage. Like last week, I ripped uh, the Suicide Squad. I thought it was stupid. And I thought, you know, the Starro villain was an insult to comic books because Starro is is the star of 
one of the greatest comic book stories of all time for the man who has everything. And to have that character as the marshmallow man, like that's basically what it, what he was in that movie is, is like uh, Ben Kingsley being an out of work alcoholic um, <laughs> in Iron Man three. Like to me, you can change, you can, you can wrinkle the, the, the legend, but don't slam the legend. Like don't insult the legend. And what my point when I was saying that is, is that you can tell when stuff comes out that is made by diehards, that mm-hmm. is made by fans. And this came up when Richard Donner passed away, because as much as Richard Donner made a fantastic movie in Superman, Richard Donner does not have the life of Superman comics in his in his house. He doesn't have that fanhood. Tim Burton didn't have that fanhood. But the people making things now, whether it's J.J. Abrams or Dave Filoni or, 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 or people involved in the current incarnations of Star Wars is you can tell they love this stuff and they get off on being able to tell this story. And you can feel it and it shows in the work. So when it's... To, because those people exist, it makes it that much more infuriating when people make light of the material. And what Dave Filoni has done, like this, I didn't know that. And I didn't ever need to know that. The fact that they did that for 4% of their audience, that, that's, that's truly remarkable. It was awesome. And then for Mandalorian fans, the lady who comes out is wearing the same costume as Pershing in Clo- in yes. Mandalorian. Yep. And you're like, oh my god, here it is. Who was on this podcast, by the way, Doctor Pershing? And like, oh, now- that was a Star Wars episode that we didn't have you on. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Like you said, you weren't that excited for Bad Batch, and and you loved it. I wasn't. I was excited for Bad Batch just because I trust Dave Filoni, and he always gives me something worth watching um but i i was like i don't i don't necessarily care about this i'm i'm gonna go in because i trust the guy who's giving it to me and um i'm hyped for season two because are they going to go attack mount tantis like are they gonna go like are we gonna get am i gonna get to see that like you know in those books there was a crazed uh like new old republic era jedi who the emperor cloned that like took over and like he made a clone of luke skywalker and and like there was crazy stuff that was happening in that mountain in those books and if i can get another another taste of that like when i was in fourth grade like and no star wars had come out for you know, eight, Decades, nine, yeah. ten years, and like, and I just devoured it. If I can get a little glimpse at like the, the, even something in the background that like was referenced in those books, oh my gosh, like, that's got me hyped. Like that's got me hyped for season two. Well, and you can tell a compelling story that doesn't have to just pay off the four percent. Like the ninety four percent are going to be like, wow, this is this is incredible. Um, what what 
again, from my notes, I have a couple of nitpicky uh, critiques. Um, they do another callback later on in the show with Harris and Dula. I tell a mm-hmm. big part of her backstory. Really interesting. I like that because I love Rebels. When you're doing these callbacks, does that classify you in animation calls back animation and live action calls back live action in that you also had Fennec Shan Ming-Na Wen's character in it. But in reality, instead of meeting Harrison Dula, could you meet somebody from Rogue One? Could you meet somebody from Solo? Could you meet somebody that has a tie in to something else so that it's not just well, that's that's a Dave Filoni payoff because Dave Filoni worked on Rebels. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, it again, this is so nitpicky because I'm not complaining that you brought back someone that I watched on an animated series, but you have this treasure trove of stuff. Did you have to go to the Rebels twice? Yeah, I I'm fair. Feel very similar. I don't love. Um. You know, I didn't love in Rebels when they kept going back to Ahsoka. I was like, you know, it could have been somebody else. Um, it could have been Kenobi. It could have been somebody else. Um, but they did it fantastically. So, like, you forgive it. I agree. I think it would have been cool. You know, is it Kira from Solo? Or is it, uh, you know... Uh, Right. Yeah, like is somebody, it, somebody is it is it Galen Urso? Is it there? Right there, you know. go. Like, tell me something from their story, and you know, maybe that's a season two thing. Maybe they, you know, again, you know, them choosing to tell Hera Sandula's story is pretty cool. But did you, you know, was that because of models? Because you had the animation models? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, maybe I don't know. I don't know. And maybe it's harder to draw Ming-Na Wen's character younger, which I just thought was a really neat tie in mm-hmm. uh, was 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 pretty cool. I, I mean, again, we're talking about uh, it's not really Easter eggs because they were major plot points. You know, Ming-Na Wen going after Omega, you know, she also went after Grogu. You know what I mean? Like, th- think about that. In her life, she went after two characters that you never heard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before 2020 and that's pretty amazing um what about omega let's 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 do omega here like what do you think her her saga is you know she's older than the bad batch she's just an unaltered clone that ages differently um so i tried wh- to do- where, where do you see her going here how book important is she that i've never heard of i think you see her in book of boba fett she is Boba Fett's sister. How can you not? So you, you took the time. And you can hire anybody. Yeah, you took the time to put Fennec Shand in there. Because you, you know. don't have to do uh, Katie Sackoff like where, you know, you had the voice and, and she played the, 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 the live action too. Because it's a kid, you can age the person up. And she'll be about the same age as Boba Fett. You know, Boba in so omega is like 13 years old in bad batch which takes place during revenge of the sith 
which takes place about three years after Attack of the Clones. So in Attack of the Clones, Omega would have been 10. Boba Fett was eight. So they're the same age, you know? And like, how can it, how can you not tie that in to the other live action show you're about to release? the, the, The book of Boba Fett tells the future story of Omega. But do you not do that because you want Omega's story not, you don't want her, you don't want too many of these people's futures being told. You know, that that runs into the whole timeline stuff because, again, you know, 100 episodes of The Clone Wars, I never was worried about Anakin. Yeah. I wonder, though, does it, do they bring Omega in as, you know, the the season one book of Boba Fett Easter egg at the end, right? Where Omega shows up and it's like, he, you know, right. who That's- are you? That's possible. And she's like, I'm your sister, you know, like Boba d- has, has no Australian idea. accent. Yeah. New Zealand. That's what that is. New Zealand. Yeah. New Zealand. Uh, you know, do you do that, which then you get people hyped for Bad Batch season two coming six months after you just got hyped on live action Omega. <laughs> and does that drive people who won't watch the animation? <laughs> right back to bad batch season one so you can figure out who this person is that we're all talking about that's what a streaming service is best for like that's why the process like people have said the one thing about all these streaming services is you don't re-watch things as uh, enough in my opinion because there's always something new mm-hmm. and you know for a lot of people there are a lot of people i'll, I'll tell you 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 mentioned you you're all your family members i'll tell you some people who I spoke to a 60 year old man who thinks Bad Batch is as good as anything Star Wars has done in the last 25 years. I talked to a 45 year old man who hasn't watched Bad Batch because I'm an adult and I don't watch cartoons. Yeah. Like you get all kinds. Mm hmm. Yeah. My my fiance, Jen, won't watch cartoons. She's like, I just don't like cartoons. I'm like storytelling storytelling so many things and she don't, just doesn't don't bitch about a dc movie and then not watch justice league dark apocalypse war <laughs> just 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 don't uh, you you can't you know apocalypse war which by the way was written before avengers endgame and mimics avengers endgame like there's there's so much there and why because it's a cartoon because it's animation hope that anyone listening to this podcast recognizes that we we don't care if it's drawn or not and a lot of things especially now with these giant tvs that you know everybody's buying they're so Mm -hmm. affordable animation looks the best watch the bad batch on a big 8k tv and my god it's gorgeous the um i talked about this with some friends last week where it's like in japan animation is not looked at as a kid thing it's looked at as a legitimate art form right the same way you would look at van gogh they look at animation the same way it's just very interesting that in in western world we look at it as a kid's thing right right and it's just it's so interesting that but there's but but what i was getting at is is that you don't 
rewatch things. Like I don't go to Disney Plus and go, oh yeah, you know what? I'd like to see Revenge of the Sith again. Like you, you don't do that. I think that the Marvel shows did a little bit of that when you know Falcon and Winter Soldier came out. It made you rewatch First Avenger. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's that connection. But when I saw Bad Batch, it didn't want to make me go re-see Clone Wars. But it made me appreciate Clone Wars. You, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I just think that's the nature of these streaming services. When you used to get things on DVD and you owned it, you watched the hell out of it. You got your money's worth. Well, and you're always, I mean, you're always chasing. Like, I haven't seen Loki yet. I just, I, you know, five days after. Epi- no. listen to episode <laughs> 243. <laughs> uh, you know, I just finally got around to watching Bad Batch this morning, you know, days after it came out. And uh, and I haven't seen What If yet. I'm like, I can't keep up. Like, I don't have enough hours in the day to keep up with everything. We're going to review gonna... What If when it comes out, you know, when the whole season comes out. But from episode one. Bad Batch is better looking. Really? From an just pure animation. Forget the story. Um, mm-hmm. What they try to do in What If is try to make it like pseudo real. Oh. And Bad Batch makes it look real. <laughs> like it just <laughs> looks real, real. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. What about, uh, you know, the destruction of Camino? Yeah. Did that hit you? It did. It, the, the, um, the uh taking of the leader you know all the long neck mm-hmm. people like that the, and their voices you know i know it's different actors but their voices are remarkable in that um you could argue that that eeriness in which the way they spoke mm-hmm. was very callback to you know episode um two uh, episode two yeah, you know when when Obi Wan Kenobi visits Kamino, and he, mm-hmm. and he and he's on there, which is very interesting because just a couple of episodes ago, when we were talking about Masters of the Universe, the new He Man show, episode two forty four of the podcast, uh, Susan Eisenberg says on the podcast that she tried to emulate the old show, and mm-hmm. that Kevin Smith said, "Wait a minute, you were Wonder Woman, do that." Yeah. And so that's what and, and she did the same, you know, he did the same with Kevin Conroy and Diedrich Bader and all, all these guys. They didn't emulate their old. But in Star Wars, they said, you're playing a character that we saw before. It's just sound like them. Don't mm-hmm. try to be them. Just sound like them. And it hits you there. I, that hit yeah. me more than seeing the buildings blown up. The buildings blown up was visually stimulating. But the saga was when you saw them realizing that their time is over and that the empire is going to mess with them, you know, and because of you, because, you know, the future, they're disposable. Because yeah. you could have lived a very healthy life, not knowing how Camino ended or if Camino ended, you, mm-hmm. you don't ever need to know that. But you now know this is what their fate was. That when the empire took over, they destroyed Camino. That's something, and it teaches you about the empire, right? Like, does it reframes the empire? Oh my God, they're as bad as I thought they were, yeah. you know. But that's what they should be, right? And it's not and a trade dispute. Well, and especially as as memeified as 
stormtroopers not being able to hit anything and all of that has become it's kind of nice to show how vicious they were like when you first saw darth vader that's how bad the empire is in bad batch right they're horrible but they're really horrible there right they're really horrible there it's pretty pretty remarkable um yeah camino omega we covered uh carla from cheers i know it's rhea perlman i'm not i'm I'm just trying to bust chops here um was there anything that we didn't was there anything we didn't cover before i i wrap with my mark hamill love of twitter um let's see i mean crosshair removed his chip they talk about and yeah and so you realize like he's just a bad dude like, he's just born bad, you know? Well, what he makes me think about is the toxicity that goes on in our society. Because he essentially wants the same thing, but his methods are completely ass-backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... Uh, you know what I mean? It, it's just that that law and order, um, you know, just accepting leadership for what they are, you know, the whole rebel idea, you know, just they're, they're diametrically opposed to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love really... a flashback though. I would love a flashback to when they were really good teammates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like really working together. Yeah. Show me that. Yeah. Show me, show me a reason Hunter doesn't just punch him in the nose. <laughs> yeah. Like how did they even become, how did they even get to the point where they were that teams. close yeah together um i saw one of my favorite little easter eggs was uh behind carla's desk in her office her name in this show by the way is sid oh yeah sid's desk uh jango fett's blasters are on the wall behind her desk which was kind of cool that's why you're incredible (laughs) um a lot of fun little easter eggs there I still am of the mind that um, we've we've now, through Mandalorian and Bad Batch and all these places, we've visited all of these amazing eateries and bars across Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, a lot of pubs. <laughs> uh, which I have an affinity for, for certain yeah, reasons. Uh, Why would that be? <laughs> what I want to know... Is is there only one bar in the galaxy that can afford live music? <laughs> Nobody else. Like that's like yeah. one of the most iconic. All the things places the Mandalorian goes to are like really quiet bars. Yeah, like all of that. You know, like that Cantina song. Believe you me, people know it. Everybody knows the do 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 do. Right, you play it. Right, you have the rights. Play it. <laughs> yeah, or like. Just put you another play band that in, in the bar on a, like a random night. Like, do you just play that in the middle of everything? We our um our jukebox is uh it's like Reddit. You can upvote and downvote songs for free oh, from cool. your phone. So every once in a while, like some funny guy will come in, like the same guy who gets on a you know a fifty story building and hits all the elevator buttons. He'll go on, and we have. Uh, we have 27 different versions of the Cantina Band song on our jukebox. So we have the one from the movie. Then we have like a reggae version and a 
Caribbean version and like a jazz version and a heavy metal version and a power ballad version. And they'll put all 27 of them on in a row because they like watched Family Guy one time and they were like, play that same song. Uh, so, yeah, I get that. I get that. But I, I do think like, you know, couldn't like Sid have a band in one of the episodes? That's funny. You know, that's funny. Uh, yeah. What about when uh, they try to to um, take over her bar? And. Oh, that. Epi- See, I thought that episode could have been really, really cool. Okay. And like the threat of the Minox or whatever they were was like, she was like, we're all dead. Don't make a noise. We're all dead. If we turn the engines on, we're all dead. And then like Wrecker has his, his Pippin moment from Lord of the Rings where he drops the thing down. Nobody wakes up. Clank, 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 clank. None of the things wake up. And then when he, they do wake him up, they're not menacing. It's like being in a butterfly cage. Like they're not evil. They're not attacking. They're just fluttering. And then they're afraid of light. And I was like, this could have been so cool and so scary and so like, you know, awesome. And it just, it did not work for me no, the way it should have. I get, I get that. Um, two uh, Star Wars themed uh, quick conversations that I want to have before we put this uh, podcast to bed. Um, the Mandalorian, there's the scene where um, they're rescued by the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. And there's Captain Carson Tiva. He's just one of the guys that flies in the X-Wings that eventually rescues them mm-hmm. when they're in that ice palace and then gives the badge to Cara Dune. Before mm-hmm. they found out that you know she was getting let go by Star Wars, and they have a conversation with, well, that actor is P- Paul Sun Hyung Lee, and he is the star of one of my new favorite television shows, a show called Kim's Convenience, which is co-starred by Simu Liu, who is Shang Chi in the new Marvel movie. Turns out, I found out this by accident. Because you know how you go on a YouTube like rabbit hole, like you just search mm-hmm. one thing and the next thing you know, it turns out that Paul Sung Hyung Lee, who plays Mr. Kim in Kim's Convenience, uh, award winning actor. He's in The Mandalorian and he is such a Star Wars fan. He hosts a Star Wars YouTube show. <laughs> that's cool. That's, that's so cool. That's also so interesting because that's the world we live in now that never would have happened right, it would have been right. like oh oh no we can't we can't do this that must have helped him get cast first of all he's a fantastic actor and in kim's convenience he has a thick korean accent uh but he doesn't in real life and it's so weird and it's so interesting Pyol, paul sung young lee um he's like one of my white whales now of people to get on the on, on the podcast uh, because he is a massive, massive fan uh, of that. The other item was something that Mark Hamill tweeted uh, just the other day. Uh, if you're again, if you're listening to this in the future, let us know how the flying car is. Um, 
where it's a it's a meme of the end of Return of the Jedi. And I saved this for my friend, JC, because I could have told you this off air, but I wanted your reaction. It's the end of Return of the Jedi after Darth Vader is defeated, where Vader asks Luke to take his mask off so he can look upon him with his own eyes. And Mark Hamill says, but you'll die. And in this meme, Vader responds with, I have rights. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I just said that it's just so how do you take a shot in a very toxic environment and make I think everybody laugh. Like, I think I don't care what side you are on. You were that's funny. And Mark Hamill is just that funny. Yeah, I had uh, I saw something pop up and this looks like it was like a, a Reddit conversation. And this guy says, OK, but Vader, this is a Rogue One joke. I guess it's not a joke, but a conversation, a Kevin Smith like conversation. OK, says, OK, but Vader literally turned off the lights on his chest panel to make an impression on the rebels. That whole emerging from the darkness by the light of his saber thing, that was intentional dramatic effect. What a drama king. Leia got away because he wasted 30 (laughs) seconds scaring the crap out of those poor rebel mooks. (laughs) Then the next guy goes, and since they're indicators, he would have had to turn off his life support. So he nearly died for drama. (laughs) Then the next guy goes, Vader lives on Mustafar, the planet where he lost three quarters of his limbs. Is there anything he doesn't do for the purposes of being dramatic? I was like, oh my God, how great is that? And then you start to like, you think, oh, that's funny. And then you start to think about it. Like you have the quiet moment in the shower. Like, oh, he did turn off his life support. <laughs> My God. They're so smart. <laughs> and the thing is, all of that's created by the same people. It's the fans. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it's such a badge of honor to be in this this club that you're you're a fan of this stuff. This has taken you to a level. And it just it calls back to what we were saying earlier fans make this stuff and that's why it's funny and that's why it shows great uh very high marks for the the bad batch uh, before we let you go how can people find you tell me about the cantina tell me about all the seven thousand things you're doing um let's see uh i have been competing on um the movie trivia schmodown matches i currently hold the title belt of Star Wars champion for the first class league, which is, uh, it's kind of like their minor leagues uh, before I get up to the majors. They've been shooting their new episodes at Scum and Villainy, which is really cool. That's cool. And um, we, you know, I know we've been talking about Star Wars, but we uh, have taken the alleyway behind the bar Uh and fenced it off and have created a Hobbit beer garden back there. So it is, <laughs> you walk out the back door of the cantina You've into, taken pictures of this. 
into the Shire, uh, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, awesome. It's not quite done yet, but sometime in the next two weeks, uh, you'll be able to go out there and hang out. And we've got, we're going to have like five picnic tables. And four of them are going to be regular sized picnic tables like you'd see anywhere. And the fifth picnic table, we're going to build double size. So you can sit at the regular picnic table and your friend can sit at the double size picnic table and your friend will look like a hobbit. Right. If you take a picture. Take a picture. Because, it's, because it's right. the perspective will be off. No, and then we're right. going to start selling 34 ounce beers. So if you're drinking a regular size beer and they get the big beer, it really sells the effect. That's awesome. What a great job. What a great so, job. It'll be fun. That is JC Reifenberg, our Star Wars insider. We'll have him back when, whenever Star Wars crap happens, unless the guy from Kim's Convenience wants to be the new Star Wars insider, then we'll have <laughs> them do a duel or something. And uh, we'll, we'll see, but. Trivia. Uh, have <laughs> Yeah, I remember the, um, there was there was a girl there was a girl who's uh, in in baseball broadcasting, who once said that she was a massive Star Wars person. Like she goes, I'm an expert. And I said, okay, what makes you an expert? Because I said I know an expert, and that was you. And uh, her name's Julie, and she said, well, I have all the toys. And I said, that doesn't make you anything. That just makes you a toy collector. The, it, listen to this these episodes you hear the amount of detail and you hear the passion uh jc this stuff is literally made for you i've i mean it's yeah it's uh it's crazy how my passion for star wars has shaped lot my life my friendship my financial situation yeah. You know, in more ways than one. You know, I met Kevin Smith because I wrote a Star Wars fan film and I wrote a role for him into it. And they say, you know, they say, write what you know. I grew up in John Hughes's hometown and I know Star Wars. So I wrote a John Hughes Star Wars movie. Kevin talked about Star Wars and John Hughes nonstop. And that's how I got in with Kevin. Right. You know, there's another great story. I know we're wrapping the podcast, but um, Damon Lindelof, who, uh, for better or worse, wrote Prometheus and Lost and all, you know, a lot of J.J. Abrams stuff. Did Watchmen. Did Watchmen. Yes. Yes. Let's end on that for Damon Lindelof. Um, But he uh, he told a story that he his favorite TV show of all time was Alias. And, um, and he really wanted to write on the last season of Alias. So his agent got him a meeting with JJ Abrams, uh, to, to write the pilot for this, uh, plane crash on an Island show. And so Lindelof like scribbled down some ideas and, and wrote this script, but really what he wanted to do is get in front of JJ to to get onto the last season of alias and so he shows up and i believe lindelof is wearing a bantha tracks t-shirt which is the first star wars fan club from way back in the day and jj goes oh bantha tracks he goes we 
JJ and I talked about Star Wars for two and a half hours. And then he goes, by the way, you got the job on Lost. <laughs> and I ne he never got to write Alias. And they just they bonded over Star Wars and he got the job writing Lost. Thanks to Bantha Tracks. So, you know. That's amazing. It is fantastic. That is JC Reifenberg. What, how do you follow you online? Uh, at Reifenberg on Twitter. There you go. Best way. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, downloading. Enjoy Star Wars, The Bad Batch. It's it's effing great. I mean, it just you don't need to. You didn't need this review to say, oh, now I'm going to watch. But if you haven't watched it, trust me. Trust me. We won't steer you wrong. Uh, next week, we'll talk to one of the writers for Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom. That's all coming up next week. Enjoy the Star Wars stuff this week. We'll see you then. <laughs>